0: I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will give you a helper, the Lord says, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And even though the world does not know the times when the Holy Spirit is working through them and even for them, you know him. For he will dwell with you. He will not come and go like some ephemeral breeze. He will be resident within you. He will be there. And you will have access to him at your Good pleasure. Now today's little talk starts from this promise of God, and it's not nothing less than a promise that God will be within us. God the Holy Spirit, our link with the risen Christ, operating twenty four seven, as long as we are listening. The practice of listening, however, takes a little work from our perspective. And we've been given a good word today. It's a word that goes to the heart of God's dealings with us, and it's a word that steers us to our dealings with God. The word was translated patience, as in, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Greek word is makrotumia, I don't need to remember that, but it denotes a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune, without complaint or irritation. Patience, in other words, which means waiting, but waiting in the face of provocation and maintaining this calm. Lao Nida suggests that the word can be translated in other languages thusly: to remain seated in one's heart, to remain always sitting down, to keep one's heart from jumping. <laughs> I love that one, and to have a waiting heart. I very much like this phrase: to have a waiting heart. All of this that's being described, I have to admit, is very alien to my nature. I'm impatient. I have enough patience already. I'm not looking for any more. Thank you very much. (laughs) Just ask my family these last few weeks. I don't like waiting. Nothing so propels me into a place of provocation than waiting. I don't have the patience, if you like, for waiting. And if waiting is a virtue and it seems to be characteristic of God and a good thing, well, there's two sides to that then it is in short supply in this present age, especially short supply in the world in which we live. So whatever shortness of patience I have within me is more than compounded by a very impatient world. To wait patiently or impatiently means to stand by and watch time, one's own precious time being killed, Solely put out of the misery of existence, never to be retrieved, never to be resurrected, because dead time is dead forever. Now, we do not suffer anything gladly in our culture, because to suffer, which is another word which is tied in with our idea of waiting, uh, which figures majorly also in today's text, means to be acted upon, And we would rather be doing the acting. Why do we wait? To allow ourselves to be acted on, even by the Holy Spirit. But we would rather get in there and take control than to be suffering. And the word here is paschal, from which our word paschal, as in paschal mystery is drawn, means not just waiting and not just suffering, but very definitively suffering pain. It might be better translated, indeed, to be in pain. So it's understanding this. this waiting is not just killing time in a place of relative comfort. It's watching time tick tick by at a time when you would much rather be getting into a situation and getting to work and fixing it. So we do well to enrich our foray by revisiting the concept of waiting it is not just a slice of suffering occasioned by the death of time making the present intolerable in our texts as well this waiting is really an expectation let's go back to that calm center which the word invites us to inhabit to create to go uh, to guard and to treasure we go to that calm center and from it we look forward in expectation, which keeps the momentum going, propelling one onward rather than pulling one downward. An eager expectation indeed, signifying that that to which one looks is that for which one hopes. Not just the end of waiting, but the beginning of something more. In the most daunting circumstances, in other words, and we'll get to some of those circumstances soon, We are invited not just to wait in peace, but even with a sense of eager expectation. The same word is used in Romans 8, and J.B. Phillips translates this word as standing on tiptoe to describe the anticipation of the whole creation, now subject to sin, slavery, and decay, waiting for the promised deliverance that her Savior will bring. So the emotional calm which takes hold in a heart subdued, a heart which resists reacting, this is the key, we don't react. When we're acted upon, we don't react. We take a breath, we become calm, we pray, we let the Holy Spirit make the next move. A heart which resists reacting to provocation or irritation, The urge to tweet, say, in the stillness of night, I don't know where we would see that, prepares that same heart to be stirred up, not by anger, but by joy. The joy of things turning out, not as one feared, but as one hoped. Have no fear of them, he says. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be troubled, but in your hearts honor the Christ the Lord As holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, I've taken us on a huge jump from just waiting on the Lord to a place of very specific provocation. And that's a place that the disciples face again and again. And that is the place Paul faces on Mars Hill a place that strikes a fear of its own into my heart and tends to put me on the defensive, if you like. That is a place when, with a mob gathering around, having their attention focused on you, you are invited to deliver to them the explanation for the hope you have in you. In other words, some kind of a defense of your faith which goes way beyond defensiveness into an explanation of your hope. Now, Paul in his classic apologetic, the famous Mars Hill soliloquy, opens with this wonderful comment. I found also an altar, he says, here in this marketplace of ideas, with this inscription to an unknown God. You've altars here, in other words, to every God under the sun, but you have this one here for any God you might have left out. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Now, this is a huge moment. Paul is saying, what you worship already as unknown, that's what I'm going to proclaim to you. I'm not going to come here and knock all these altars over. I'm going to start with the God you worship as unknown. And I'm only going to start with that God, but I'm going to start with some of the texts that that unknown God has inspired in your poets and your philosophers the proclamation then is not new words about a new god he doesn't go to the scriptures the old testament as he begins to reason and reach out for the hearts of those gathered around him he goes to their texts and this to me is an immensely important notion what you therefore worship as unknown this I proclaimed you. I'm going to start with the God, in other words, who is already revealed in your hearts before I came onto the scene. The God who made the world, in other words, and everything in it, which is very much a Greek concept as well as a Christian one, being Lord of heaven and earth, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. The God who made us all from one man it in all our hearts one and the same desire, he says to him. Everybody born on the earth is given by God one desire, and that is to seek him, that one God. That they should seek God, the one true God, in the hope, what is the hope that is within you? The hope that they might feel their way. The Greek literally means to grope in the darkness, letting your hands work around surfaces for something you can't see, and find him. Eureka, Eurisko, Eurisko, which means I have found it. God made us, all of us, to seek him, to yearn for him, and to find him. And Paul goes on, yet he is actually not far from each of us. Then he goes to work on them. And he backs these insights up with these two quotes from two Greek philosophers. From Epimenides' Cretica, Epimenides, Epimenides, Epimenides the Cretans, from whom he also quotes, all Cretans are liar in another context. Paul says, he quotes this, But you are not dead. You live and abide forever. In you we live and move and have our being. Now Ep- Epimenides is referring to Zeus, but Paul makes the claim not just that he might as well have been, but that he might well have been referring to God at the same time. The impulse in the heart was God inspired as it reached beyond Zeus, Godward, in a prayerful moment of inspiration. Inspiration, the free work of the Holy Spirit. But then, of course, it had to be shoehorned into the brain. How often does that happen? and worked into some kind of philosophy that is full of tatters and rags and patches. Because the God who works through the Holy Spirit freely to all of his children works too freely. He's not a God who can be captured. He's not resident in any but those who have come to him through Christ. So he comes and goes, and the moments of great insight get tangled up with all kinds of conjecture. Paul goes to another uh, philosopher well as well, Aratas, and he says in his phenomena, phenomena, for we are indeed his offspring. So we are indeed, Paul is saying, we are all his children. His point again is that he can take their texts and show them his Paul's God, recontextualizing is what we call it, and we do that too. When we put up a Christmas tree or hold a yoga class, we are doing the same thing, saying God the Holy Spirit has been here, showing himself, showing his truth, and gone. And we'll try now to work through that which he has left and separate speculation from witness. Separating the divine image then, the imago dei within from the image formed by the art and imagination of man, which is projected within and without, takes dexterity. It takes prayer and it is the work of a lifetime. It requires care and patience and eager expectation. But if there is to be any sharing of the gospel, the good news of Christ, it must be just that. Sharing, starting from what is already shared, starting from the places where God the Holy Spirit has already been and he has been everywhere on earth and at every time that there have been human beings. We are looking then not just to do a data download into an empty memory disk, erased, reformatted, and ready to start again, We're not looking to do a one-way flow of information, whether from scripture or from some condensation like the four spiritual laws. But rather, we're looking for a process of mutual discovery and recovery of that which had been divinely inscribed and then damaged by the ravages of sin. As we see God's activity in the world, And as we seek God's activity in the world and in our own lives, we do well to think of a God who is patient, who is full of eager expectation, not on the defensive as we so often are when our faith goes to our head and never gets beyond it. When information has not only failed to truly inform, it has not even begun to transform when we then lord it over others rather than seeking the Lord in others, cursing the darkness but not seeking the light. God is patient, but he works from a place of calm, a place of peace that no complaint will provoke, that no provocation will disturb, and that no disturbance will destroy. May we seek such a place when we are in places of provocation, not just with those who have not heard the word and embraced it, but with ourselves who have and seem at times of the greatest stress to have thrown it all out the window and to be starting again from our own depravity. May we seek such a place of calm and find it as comforted and challenged by God's word we discover Him. And recover him at work in the world, even where we least expect him. And carried out into the world by God's comforting spirit, may we in turn find him and find him to be a God who is full of surprises. Ever ready to be discovered again, the same God we know and love and who loves us ready to be found in very unexpected places. Amen. Please stand.